and said, Come and how door meeting. You know, the first spontaneous reaction was myself and Pastor Alu just looked at each other. Like, <laughs> because we knew what the books were saying. You know, I almost felt like saying, like, Pastor, how do people Because how do you're going to get a stage? Do you know what that means? Amen. But of course, being spiritual ourselves, we said, Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, this is the deal. If you bring in pure administrators, okay, they would limit the work of the ministry. Why? Because pure administration cannot undo the instructions of God that don't make natural sense. And many instructions from God when it comes to church don't make natural sense. How do you describe people who go to spy a land and they saw giants, I mean giants, and in their own eyes, they were like grasshoppers. And God says, come on guys, go take that land. And they felt like, eh, amen. That looks like the 10 administrators that went to Harvard. Amen. Why? Because they are likely to sit down and, um, you know, do all the visibility study, the, um, what else, you know, the planning, the budget, and be like, no, pastor, we need to tell you this is impossible. It's not going to work. Amen. And if they were over the pastorate, they are likely to say, what would the pastorate say? Yes, has. It happens the first time. It happens the second time. I don't know how long the Holy Spirit is going to be patient, but what will eventually happen is the Holy Spirit will walk out of that place. Amen. Please, do you understand what I'm talking about? Glory to God. Amen. So, the don'ts of proper church management structure, and this is where church management is a little contrary to normal management and administration. The purpose of management and administration includes to be able to advise that this is what we can do, true? No, we shouldn't do it. This is what the accounts are saying. But God says he's not doing his own that way. The just shall live by faith. That's the way I'm doing my own. And you want to bring pure administration into church to manage it? (laughs) Well, you can try it. Not you, in Jesus' name. Amen. So I said, don't structure the word and the spirit out of church. Number two, be careful for what we call extreme policies and reactions. Nothing kills management like extreme policies and reaction. Amen. So let me give you an instance of what I describe as extreme policies and reactions. So maybe... um, the auditorium of church is open for people to come pray, seek the face of God, do personal retreats. And um, maybe someone comes one day and um, uses the auditorium to pray, but puts paper on the floor, the whole place is dirty, and plugs something on the socket, the thin blue, boo, you know, just messed up things. Then the administration comes together and says, no, 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 shut the door of the, or the gates of church. Nobody comes to pray again. 
That's an extreme reaction. You see that? Ha ha ha. Bible says, if you refuse to spank your children when they need it, they are going to be spoiled. And all of a sudden, we begin to see marks in the body of children and we feel that, why are parents doing this? Parents are abusing children. Okay, nobody should beat any child again. That is an extreme reaction. Hallelujah. You say that? Glory to God. So, a lot of management, you know, um, decisions that are taken this way is going to affect what they are not supposed to affect. Hallelujah. So avoid extreme reactions in management. Could there be a better way? Can we say, okay, no more eating. If you come to church to pray, you can't eat in church so that nobody, you know, messes up the floor. Can we say that, okay, um, you're not allowed to, you know, charge your phones yourself. If you need to charge, please consult the, you know, put policies in place that are friendly and not necessarily extreme. Hallelujah. Don't give people positions with no responsibility. Never give people positions with no responsibility. This is one of the things that killed the Leah churches. Amen. Where people begin to climb by achievements. <laughs> Let me put it this way. I don't know if you experienced this. There was a time, you know, I noticed something. I was still young that some of the people that were ordained elders in church, I knew they were not born again. The church I was attending then, I knew that these people were not born again. But you know, they had money. They had influence. And they were made elders in church. Glory to God. You see that? And even the elders they made them does not have work. It's just to sit in the front and don't ever give positions with no, no job prescription. Hallelujah. If you are going to be given any position, it's to work. It's service. There is nothing like pastors that just sit down. Amen. It's service. Someone say service. And that was one of the things that killed me. You cannot use position to be saying thank you in church. Never give position without responsibility. Hallelujah. Number four. Don't be frivolous with ordination and church authority. Never be frivolous with church ordination and authority. Glory to God. Number five, do not disrespect the definition of church. Never. We will have to have that. Never. There's no way you look at it. A non-believer is not a member of the church. Glory to God. So, the manager and the administrator of church is the Holy Spirit himself. He is the true church manager and administrator. And must be one, you know, and church administration must emanate from the Holy Spirit's leadership. The person at the end of affairs of church administration must be full of the Spirit first. 
must have honest reports before you can now talk about empowering the person with the knowledge and skills of management, not vice versa. Not go and get a professional outside, you know, who studied Abad that we will make him born again. Mm-mm. I usually give this example. I remember some years ago, uh, myself and, and Pastor Laulu, we wanted to do something in Lagos. Church was still in Ifeden. So we needed a venue, you know, for that particular thing, for church, of course. So we came to negotiate, we came to Lagos to negotiate, and we were going to use a church. We wanted to use one of their halls. And you know, it's so funny. <laughs> so we got there and I wanted to meet the administrator in charge. And they said to us that well, the administrator is not around. Oh, when is he supposed to be around? When can we meet him? Oh, he's supposed to be around. Oh, no, a church program was going on. So I said, ah, but a church program is going on. Why is the administrator not around? I said, ah, the administrator is not a member of this church. I said, then what is he administrating? Of course, I could not tell them. You're administrating a vision you've not internalized. You're administrating a vision you know nothing about. What? And that is how people bring trouble. How can your church administrator not be a member of the church? Does not even understand the vision. Does not understand what God is doing with his church right now. Hallelujah. And you see that a lot have been done, a lot of decisions have been taken as touching church administrators that people need to be careful. Glory to God. All right, I would love to stop here. I heard that you need to walk around and um, rest and we'll be back for another one hour. I believe you were blessed. All right, God bless you. See you soon. Amen and amen. Wow, it's good to be back. How was the short break? It was good. Were you able to do anything in the short break? Oh, okay. All right, thank you. You may be seated. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Father, for your presence is here. So, um, it was brought to my attention that um, quite a number of what I said was not in your manual. <laughs> okay, so... What happens is every year, I just tend to be dynamic with church administration. Glory to God. Amen. So, um, and this was last year's manual. Maybe the, uh, the administrators just believed that I would teach the same thing. But it's okay. I mean, it's still, it's still in line. Well, let me warn you, stay with what I taught you. That's where your questions will come from. Amen. But the good thing about my teaching is if you just come to my class and listen, you will do well. That's the truth. Because I need you to get the concept of what I'm teaching rather than cramming. Glory to God. Okay, so let me quickly... um, Yes... I'm sorry, I will quickly, there's something I want to touch before I go into that. Sorry, a lot of outlines. Okay, I found it. All right. So, um, let me quickly talk on the characteristics of a good church management structure. Okay? Characteristics of a good church management structure. Number one, it must be scriptural. You must be able to place it in scriptures. 
okay, that this is the scripture, I mean, the structure we are following as laid down in, it must be scriptural. Number two, must reflect, in other words, be in line, must reflect and protect the vision of the church. It must reflect and protect the vision of the church. You can't run a structure that is contrary to your vision. Glory to God. So the church structure must reflect and must protect the vision of the church. Number three, every good church management structure must not leave room for corruption. There must be no room for corruption. Glory to God. You know, in some church settings, it's easy to embezzle money. Glory to God, because of the way it was structured. So every good church management structure must be able to bring embezzlement to the basic maybe 1%. You know, of course, you cannot um, totally even mega corporations, but the truth is if they catch you. Glory to God. Amen. Well, I mean, it must be so close to impossible to embezzle church money. That's a good structure. Number four, must, must allow the free flow of the Holy Spirit and must be yielded to the spiritual leadership of the house. Okay. All right. Number five, must be dynamic and give room for church growth and expansion. You can't run a structure that church will not be able to grow. Everything will just be, you know, it must give room for church growth and church expansion. Number six, it must protect the head. It must protect the head. The person that stands as the leader of that commission. Your church structure must protect it. There is nobody, no organization under heaven, even in secular systems, will make their leader, you know, <laughs> I mean, expose their leader and subject their leader to whatever, must protect their hair. Number seven, must secure the faith and spiritual growth of members. The faith and spiritual growth of members. Number eight, must reflect accountability, sincerity, financial integrity. Must reflect accountability, sincerity, and financial integrity. Number nine, must not be against the laws of the land. You don't have a structure that is against the laws of the land. If not, you'll be liable, you know. Um, to the law. Number 10, must reflect the love of God. Must reflect the love of God. And finally, must retain leadership in the spiritual harm. Must retain the leadership, the, the edge that, the steering that drives the commission or the church must be in the spiritual harm. Glory to God. Okay, so um, maybe to in a bit to try to teach something in the manual, 
you are changing my course now. Amen. But it's okay. So I'll let go of one for one. Let's go. Um, there's a lot to say in church management, but um, okay. Sorry, just a minute. All right. So if you look at um, church management, under church management, I used to draw a diagram. I might not necessarily draw that diagram for you, um, except Pastor, Pastor Pelumi can help us with, uh, okay, we use printed copies, those in the extension and online. How would they get it? Okay, but basically, um, if you look at um, church if you look at church, you're going to have the spiritual ham, and you're going to have the physical ham or the organizational. Let me put it that way. Physical or organizational ham. Now, under the spiritual ham, there are quite a number of things that come up there, and... Um, even within this spiritual harm, there is administration, okay? For instance, we have the ministry of the word. I want you to understand this. Don't cram any diagram. The ministry of the word to the ministry of the spirit. You see that? Now, right here, we must be able to organize church in such a way that if somebody is joining church, there must be a clear pathway to the person becoming a member. You see that? And the person, you know, being established in the ministry. So even in the spiritual harm, there is some form of administration. So I call that ministry administration. Glory to God. So in within the spiritual harm, and that's where you're going to begin to have um, things like, of course, um, for instance, I will use GLT because that's the church I attend. Please, can you help bring this closer to? Thank you. Okay, there is a second camera looking at it. Oh, I see. All right. So um, I was saying that, for instance, we have... Um, Foundation school. Foundation school. Some churches call it basic school. Different names, you know. But what this school does is to bring people into the knowledge of the basics of what is being taught in that church. Amen. Now, there's going to be organization in foundation school, like in GLT, we have the HOM. If I doesn't start with that, we have we have the pastor in charge. We have the minister in charge. All of this is administration. Amen. Because you're already introducing an organogram. You see that? Okay. From there, we have the HOM. We have the AHOM. And all of these people have their specific responsibilities. Glory to God. Then you can now have um, the members. Even amidst members, sometimes there is treasurer, there is secretary, you know. Inside the spiritual, there is some form of administration. Glory to God. 
And of course, from foundation school, then they move on to become members of the stewardship. And there are many ministries they can attend. You see that? And what have you? So I'm just trying to show you that even inside here, inside the spiritual arm is where we begin to talk about uh, things like ordination. Okay? Um, ordination, for instance. So of course, the spiritual arm would decide who is going to get ordained. They have the way they choose, which must be clear anyway. Glory to God. Now, administration inside it is still there is need for training. That's under administration. You see that? There is need for possible, possibly sometimes there is handover. So all the handover notes, you know, the documents to handover, all that sits inside that administration. So right here we have what I have termed ministry administration. So it administers ministry. Glory to God. And here we have what we call core administration. Okay, so this is core administration. Of course, when you come under core administration, you're going to start having things like church constitution, you know, and um, you're going to start having leadership structure, staff structure, um, staff recruitment process, financial, you know, things that are basically administrative. You see that? Hallelujah. So what is coming up in churches right now is... Um, that under the spiritual organogram, um, people are trained to manage the spiritual, um, the ministry administration. Let me put it that way. For instance, the HOM is trained to take over the work of an HOM. You understand? And what have you? Now, there are now core administrators in the church. But like we said, there must be men that, are, that have what? Honest report. Men that are full of the spirit. Hallelujah. Then there is nothing wrong with them being trained. Okay? They, can, they then can go get some good knowledge in administration and handle all that. All right. I've left that. I'm not giving you the diagram, but I've just told you. And right under here, under core administration, we have... Um, what has to do with the church proper and what has to do with outside, okay? All of that is administered. For instance, there is church and government. There is church and society. How is the church impacting the society? It's part of what government is even interested in. Hallelujah. There is church and other churches. All these things must be managed. You see that? And there is core administration, excuse me. There is core administration inside church that has to do with the things I read, staff, financial management, and what have you. Praise God. I can run now. Amen. Okay. So, um, the spiritual organogram of a church is very, very key. Amen. Because it's going to determine a lot of things. Now, to make church run smoothly, the spiritual organogram, I've tried to, you know, give you a description of what I would call the basic 
um, the basic process of how the spiritual organogram should come, that what the spiritual organogram should come from, should emanate from. All right, so the picture is inside your manual, but just follow me as I teach. So at the top of every church's spiritual organogram must be God. Hallelujah. I mean, given that recognition that church stems out of God, it is the called out ones unto God. Amen. Then, of course, you have the head of the church, our Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately you have the vision slash the visionaire or their successor. Amen. The vision slash the visionaire or their successor. Why? Because when God is going to start any work under the face of the head, he calls one man first. Check through scriptures is a pattern. Amen. He calls one man. He called, he called Abraham. Hallelujah. Our father of faith called him alone and blessed him and then multiplied him. He called Moses. You remember? Glory to God. And uh, Moses then had a successor. Who was what? Who was who? Joshua. Glory to God. All right. And he kept calling and calling men to start something new. Now, one of the challenges of God's work on the face of the head, one of the challenges has been succession. Proper successions. Glory to God. And succession is also a very key thing that must be given attention to in administration. Hallelujah. While it is not positional for church, it is not okay. So who is the next? So he's the one like presidency is divided. No, 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 no. It's not so in the body of Christ. And that's where church and pure administration will have some issues. God himself appoints. And anytime there is proper succession, it's always clear. True or false? Parking Dayomi and Pastor Yi Adeboye. Proper succession? Good. One ministry we don't know like that. And the man gave it to somebody that we have never heard of. Praise God. Do you understand what I'm talking about? So very key. The vision slash the visionaire slash dear successor. Very, very key. Then the next is the vision bearers. <laughs> okay? Or vision carriers. Now, the vision bearers or vision carriers um, are usually ministry gifts. Okay? They are usually ministry gifts. Of course, some people that are not ministry gifts can fall in that category. But more often than not, they are ministry gifts. Along line, we have people we can call the vision helpers. I'm going down to define them properly. And after that, we have the followers, the vision followers. All right. So, let's now try to discuss what we just spoke about. The vision is the core of the assignment that God has given to a church. Glory to God. And it must be what drives the church. The vision and the mission. Let me put it together. The vision and the mission. All right. Paul tells the core of his own assignment the assignment God gave him in Acts 26 and verse 16 to 18. He says, but rise and stand upon your feet for I have appeared unto you for this purpose to make you a minister 
and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things which are, we appear unto you, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send you. So when God was going to give him the vision for his assignment, it was clear who he was sent to. The Gentiles, to whom now I send you. Glory to God. To do what with them? Okay? To open their eyes. So he knew that his assignment was eye opening. Little wonder, he wrote a major chunk of the New Testament. You see that? To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me. Little wonder Paul did not cease talking about this inheritance. It was one of the keynotes in his assignment. Watch all of past letter. There is always this inheritance. Now I commend you to the word of God that is able to give you a what? An inheritance. Hallelujah. The same thing in Ephesians chapter 1. So it's, it's key. It's the core. Glory to God. And um, when God gives a man a vision, okay, the vision is not usually limited to that man. So many of all these people are called alongside that man. Now, as a visioneer, as the person who received the vision, usually people say they are the founder, they are the geo, they are the, um, okay, maybe founder suits it more. The, what is it now? The lead pastor, the set man, glory to God. Sorry, please let's stand up and celebrate pastor as he enters into the auditorium. You're welcome, sir. Thank you, sir. God bless you. Amen. All right. You may be seated. Okay, so the visioner himself must know the vision. You know, God gave him the vision. He must know the vision. He must understand the vision. He must internalize the vision. He must live the vision and he must preach and teach the vision. If this fails, there's going to be confusion in that church. You see that? And that's why... You know, we are calling attention to this. This I'm teaching you church administration. <laughs> Glory to God. Because that's what will make the organogram run. If the visionary is not one with the vision, there's going to be trouble. He's going to be saying something and he will be doing another thing. Glory to God. Then giving other people the vision becomes an issue. Amen. The visionary must have the ability to make the vision plain simplified and well written out in such a way that it can be taught to people. Amen. The visioner, hallelujah, must be one with the vision. I've said that. So who are the vision carriers? These are men that God has given the visioner to carry the vision within. Of course, this group of people too must understand the vision. They must internalize the vision. They must commit to the vision. The key thing for them is committers. They must commit to the vision. Glory to God. Hallelujah. They must submit to the visionaire under God. Vision carriers must be baptized in the spirit of the vision and must be able to run with the vision and to teach it to others. 
Now, these people must be sons, true followers of the vision here. If not, there will be confusion in church. Hallelujah. Now, the vision helpers, these are men God has chosen to support the vision in various capacities. They must understand and internalize the vision. They must, you know, understand the art of the visionaire. Glory to God. They must know, understand, and occupy their places in the fulfillment of the vision. They must see this as a God-given assignment and not just doing the visionaire a favor. Examples of people that fall under this category are financial, you know, helpers. There are people who got raised, you know, in churches to be financial because in churches. Glory to God for the, you know, work of the ministry to move forward. Some are called as broadcasters. They are announcers of what God is doing in the house. Hallelujah. Some are stewards working in one capacity or the other to see to the fulfillment of the vision. Some are connectors. They are the ones that connect the vision to greatness. Hallelujah. They know, you know, how the the vision can be carried out to get to Kenya. They know how the vision can, you know, we know how we can enter into. They are just connectors. And people fall under different categories of this calling. May we discover what God has called us to do in our individual churches in Jesus' name. Now, the followers, these are people that the visionary is sent to, either directly or through their vision carriers. They must be taught the vision until they understand it and internalize it. Glory to God. They are the rich, the impacted of and by the vision. They are the products of the vision. By them, you can measure if the vision is actually being fulfilled or not. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So this is very, very key for the spiritual organogram of a church. For the spiritual organogram of a church. Okay? I believe we understand that clearly. Amen. Okay. Um, Let me see what is there. So, in church management, there are a lot of resources to manage. Let me go to management of resources. We have human resources and personnel management. Now, on this level, of course, you know, we have, um, re- we have human resources on the levels that I've just spoken about. Vision carriers, vision helpers, um, you know, the vision followers and what have you. And under this, we also have resources, human resources in form of staff. We have human resources in form of attendees of church. Glory to God. Now, the church must see to it that all of this is properly managed. Glory to God. Another resource in church is physical resource management. Physical resource management. And under physical resource management, you have infrastructures such as buildings, vehicles, equipment, access acquisition, and this also must be managed properly. We have operations management, things like events, projects, archiving ministry materials, database management, online ministry, and um, some of this operation that even go on both inside and outside church, they must be properly managed. Glory to God. We have financial resource management. 
Okay? Of course, church has um, its financial resource and it must be properly managed. So this will bring us to what we are going to be looking at tomorrow and that will be financial management in churches. Glory to God. Financial management in churches. Now, a church must, under the human, a church, a good administration must cater for all stratas in church. Never forget that. Let me, let me just quickly touch that. They must cater for all the strata present in church in various, you know, ways. So how can we divide church into different stratas? There are very many, um, Oh, Lord, I'm missing. There are very many things that we should look at in dividing the church into stratas. Amen. Okay, so the first one is we want to look at age. A good church management structure must be able to touch, ensure that you have plans for all age groups and none is left out. Of course, in dividing age, we have things like uh, um, children, of course, under children, too, you can have your subs, you have teenagers, you have youths, some say young adults, glory to God. You have adults, you have the elderly, then you have the aged, glory to God. A church must cater for all these, you know, um, strata in church. So you can use age. We are talking about the human resource in church. Now, two, we can use sex. The church should cater for girls because there are basic needs of girls. Hallelujah. Cater for boys, cater for men, cater for women. Glory to God. You see that? So that's where you start having things like the men's fellowship, the women's fellowship. You understand? A church must be able to cater for all that. I'm not dealing with you on core administration. Hallelujah. Because you are not... I'm not raising administrators. I mean, church administrators as it were. So I'm sitting more under the spiritual um, administration. Glory to God. Ministry administration. I beg your pardon. All right. You can also use marital status. Marital status. You must ensure that the church is ministering to singles. Those who are single in church. You must ensure that the church is ministering to the engaged. Okay. Those in courtship. You must ensure the church is ministering to married. The church must have a way to minister to separated or divorced people. These are true life situations. Some may have been divorced before coming to your church. Church must minister to them. You must ensure that church ministers to widows and widowers. Hallelujah. There is a special need for them. You can also use occupation. All right. You want to be sure that you are reaching your students. I mean, it was in bringing church into strata. We saw that, you know, we had to start having some um, ways of ministering to students. And, you know, in churches that are very close to students, we have things like academic seminars. We have things like exam prayer meetings that meet their immediate needs. Glory to God. All right. You can see minister to professionals. All right. You can minister to entrepreneurs. You can minister to businessmen and women. You can minister to market traders. Hallelujah. The church must be reaching out to all strata in church. Then you can also have 
um, using life faces and the need for preparation. For instance, you can have a fellowship for pregnant women. We have something like that in our church, um, Hebrew Women Fellowship. Glory to God. For pregnant women, their need at that time is unique. Amen. So you can minister to their need. All right. Um, preparing for marriage. Those preparing for marriage. So we have things like marriage counseling course. Glory to God. You minister to their need. So in all, um, all I'm saying is that the church must cater for all the strata that is present in church. And that will be good ministry administration. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Okay, I think I should stop here. Except I want to go into finance now. I've done what I want to do this year. and um, So let me have questions and answers. Thank you very much. Questions and answers, please. So if you're online, please send in your questions. Send in your questions. If you're on site, if you have a question, please, you can raise your hands. Anything about church administration, even if I have not mentioned it, you can go ahead. Maybe something that had, you know, giving you some concern in church administration. And let me say this in addition. Always allow church administration to grow and unfold. Amen. You know, church administration must be dynamic, must grow and unfold. Don't just import what a mega church is using into a church that is just starting. It just would not work. Amen. Glory to God. So church administration must unfold, must be mega. Remember when GLT started, my husband and I were the only married couple in church. Every other person was students. Amen. And they all fell virtually under the same age group. So to start now planning um, and outreach for market women, it didn't make sense, you know. So, but as church grew, some of those things started emerging. To say we are having a fellowship for pregnant, are you even expecting your singles to get pregnant? You know, so you must allow church grow and allow church admin and management to also unfold as church grows. Glory to God. Um, Every good administrator knows that you don't want the growth to meet you unprepared. Hallelujah. So administration tries to take some few steps ahead, at least in planning. So that what is left is execution. Glory to God. All right, so let me stop here. Any questions for me?